Welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast in the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. And you can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Facebook. Just search out Coach Bo Knows, like us there. And then on Twitter and Instagram at, at Coach Bo Knows Show uh, is our handle. And you can email us anytime at show at gmail.com. Uh, this is episode 5.5. We're going to keep this one kind of short today. We're going to do a Coach Bo rants on current sports edition. I uh, decided that this week, instead of getting some stuff going here, I would just kind of come in, talk a little about what's going on, college football, the NFL, a little bit of Major League Baseball, and then we're going to get in and get out. Let me just one quick on you. First, I wanted to say I hope you enjoyed episode 5 with uh, University of Kansas Director of Basketball Operations, uh, Fred Quarterbond. So far, the feedback I've been getting has been fantastic. I thank you guys who have given me some feedback. Just the most positive dude, and it's really, really been great to get some positive feedback and to hear some great things. That was a lot of fun recording that, and I hope you get to check out his book. We're going to have a great show for you today, real quick here, but then also next Monday on episode six, I've got another great one lined up. And it's going to be Lamont Jackson. If you don't know Lamont Jackson, he is uh, a Kansas Highway Patrolman who uh, works at the Capitol and is also a singer. He is the one who's famous in the viral video of uh, being in uniform and singing at the Sprint Center a couple of years ago with Kelly Clarkson. He also started and helped with the uh, police car karaoke, which is all over YouTube. Super, super guy. He just released his first single. I wanted to get that shared to people, and he's got a great story. So look forward to that next week on Monday for Episode 6. Going to jump right in. Some of my hot takes for the week, just kind of what's going on in sports. Usually we'll do these with a couple of guests and have some fun with it, but tonight I decided, eh, let's just jump in here, do this, and we'll get these in and out so that everybody can enjoy their weekend. First, we'll talk a little bit about college football. I have been thinking, I was on the Jones Report this week, if you don't listen Tyler Jones' podcast, The Jones Report, uh, also here on the Studio Subbox Network. I do a little the pro football fix with Tyler each week. We do a pick segment and have some fun with that, so definitely try that out if you haven't yet. And he brought up a great question. We were looking at the top two teams in the country, Alabama and Georgia. Georgia is currently, uh, this week weekend, plays the number eight team in the, in the country, Arkansas, and they're an 18.5-point favorite at home. While Bama is at home playing the number 12 team in the country, Old Miss, and they're a 14.5-point favorite. Tyler asked me, do you think that means that Vegas thinks that Bama is not as good as Georgia? And I think the answer is yes right now. I think right now, if I was going to rank them, I think I would rank Georgia ahead of Alabama. It does not mean if I think if they play tomorrow that I think Georgia would win. I'm just not sure... And there's always the big thing about Nick Saban's never lost a game to one of his former assistant coaches as head coach of a team, just like he's going to blow out Lane Kiffin this week. I think they cover that 14 and a half. Um, so if you want to put some money down, there you go. There's a little tip from Coach Bo. Um, but I do think that Georgia is really the favorite right now. Um, it's going to be interesting because it looks like those two teams are on a collision course for the SEC championship. And, of course, one will win, one will lose. 
and most likely, barring any other losses, those teams, two, two teams will also be in the, pro, the college football playoff. And so it'll be interesting to see if there's a rematch there. Very well could happen. And I'd like to see that. I'd like to see both those two teams play probably twice. So, yeah, Bama and Georgia, I think that's going to be the thing to watch the college football the rest of the season. I think those two teams are one and two, and I think there is a big drop-off before the next group of maybe six or seven teams there. So keep that in mind as you're watching this weekend. I was also caught on off guard this week, uh, watching a little bit of ESPN this week, and Paul Feinbaum said that the Clemson dynasty is done. Now, I've made it pretty well known. If you hear if you're a regular Jones Report uh, listener, you know that I am not a fan of Dabo Sweeney. Never have been. I never will be. Um, I think he's very overrated. And frankly, I think Clemson is overrated. Uh, I think that they've been lucky and won a couple of games in big games. But they've played in what amounts to be really, just a, frankly, a dog shit conference as far as football goes. And they've picked on that conference. And they go into a big game and they lose, whether it was to Ohio State or LSU or, or even Alabama. They did have the one, what I actually think was a fluke win against Alabama, like it was three or four years ago in a championship game. But I, I just, I, I kind of agree. I don't want to call it a dynasty because, frankly, I don't think it is a dynasty. I think it was a window of four or five good years the Clemson's had. I don't think they're going to be able to recruit the way they have. I think that people are starting to see that Dabo Sweeney's not some guru as a, as a coach. And at the same time, I think a couple of these assistant coaches are going to get head jobs elsewhere. We've already seen one go to South Florida. Uh, I just think that we're seeing the end of Clemson's dominant run in the ACC. And they're going to be just another one of those kind of top 10 to 15 teams you know, kind of just, they're in there, you like to watch them, but they're not going to be competitive. They're a team that's just not going to be there when it's all said and done in a college football playoff, if you're looking at the final four or even the final game. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Here locally in the Midwest, here in Kansas, a big kind of talking point has been how under, oh, how poorly Oklahoma has played and just how bad Texas has been since their announcement of leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. And I've heard some people say, do you think that you know, OU and Texas are, are rethinking or regretting leaving the Big 12? They're absolutely not regretting this at all. Yes, they're not doing well right now. I think Oklahoma's, I don't know if Oklahoma is good or not. I kind of have them in that second group of teams. There's like six or seven of them there. They played uninspired against Tulane. They played uninspired a couple of weeks ago in another couple of games. I just don't think Oklahoma is in that top five. And I do think that Oklahoma and Texas don't know what they're getting into football-wise with the SEC. But that's not why they did this. Let's just be clear. The reason that the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma have moved to the SEC from the Big 12 is simply about dollars and cents. It's about a huge TV contract that ESPN has given the SEC. It's about drawing more money into the university, to the coffers for the athletic department. And it's about that as opposed to the, the Big 12, which has no vision of where they're going. Uh, I think that uh, Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, has done the absolute most piss-poor job of any of the top five conferences. They have no direction. 
And I think this is the worst case scenario. They thought they would hold on to Texas. They thought they'd hold on to Oklahoma just out of tradition. And it turns out that the SEC was three steps ahead of everybody else, realizing that what's going to happen at some point is we're going to see this the whole thing shatter. All of college football is going to shatter. It's going to go to four 16-team conferences. The ACC and the Big 12 had better get their shit together. Uh, the Big 12 is trying to do anything they can to grab teams. I think some of the teams they've grabbed, they've got some possibilities. Uh, we'll see how that works, but they don't have the one big flag bearer. Um, I think, it, frankly, the ACC doesn't either. I don't think that's Clemson. And I think that the SEC, sitting there with Bama, with Georgia, now with Oklahoma and Texas and they have LSU and Florida, that's just dominant. And they're going to get teams into, if there is an expanded playoff, you're going to see three or four SEC schools in that playoff. So the adage of, well, if OU wants to win a national title, it's easier in the Big 12. That hasn't rung true either. The way to get into the playoff is to go to the SEC and win a division. If you're a one-loss team or a zero-loss team and you win a division in the SEC, you're going to the college football playoff, period. And I think Oklahoma and Texas are seeing that. It'll be interesting to see, to me, what the SEC does as far as how they shift the, um, the divisions. Will they, will they shift Alabama over to the east to let Texas and Oklahoma in? You know, you're going from 14 to now 16 teams where you have two eight-team conferences. We, they really haven't decided on the divisions yet, so we haven't heard that. And so I'm keeping that open, and I want to see what happens. But back to the original point, OU, Texas, they're not regretting this at all. Yeah, they got some growing pains in the field right now, but they're going to be fine, and they're both going to be – it's going to be interesting in the SEC when they get there. Last thing I want to talk about college football is now we're a few weeks in. Now I feel good enough about talking about some power ratings. I've refused to be the guy that does this for two weeks. We don't know shit about teams until you get into your conference schedule. Teams are starting to get into their conference schedules now. We're starting to see the cream rise to the top. So I'm going to give you Coach Bo's power ratings, just the top five for college football, and then we'll kind of end that piece here. But uh, number one, I've got Georgia. I'm going to keep it in Georgia unless they get struggle in a game. Georgia, Bama at two. I think those two teams are heads and shoulders above the rest. I think there's a division of about six programs there behind them that you can rank anyone from really three to nine. I think you can take any three. But I'll tell you the three that I like right now. I like Oregon. I like Oregon a lot. I think they're going to win the Pac-12. I think they're going to be in the college football playoff. I like Penn State. I think Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State, you got to look at what's going to happen there. I know Iowa plays Penn State in a couple weeks. I think that's what's going to knock Iowa out of there. And I expect that Penn State's going to be the last man standing in the, in the, in the uh, Big Ten. The fifth one is going to surprise some people, and I think it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati has really been good. I think they've gotten very little respect. They've got a huge game this week against Notre Dame. If Cincinnati beats Notre Dame, they should run the table. They don't have any big-time games moving forward. And if they can beat that Notre Dame team, 
and move forward undefeated, I do think Cincinnati will get into the college football playoff as well. So keep that in mind. I kind of, if I had to make a prediction right now, I think the last four teams standing will be UGA, Bama, uh, a one-loss Bama if they, if they play the SEC championship game against Georgia, um, Oregon, and then Cincinnati. That's kind of the last four to me. I think Cincinnati hops ahead of Penn State there at the end. That's kind of my college football takes for this week. Going to move on to the NFL. I'm going to throw a wet blanket all over Sunday night football. So Sunday night football this week has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady going to New England and playing Bill Belichick's team, the Patriots. Folks, we're going to hear this shit all week. All week long, we've heard it. We're going to continue to hear it all weekend. Brady versus Belichick. Belichick versus Brady. All this. Does it matter? I don't think it does. I think it makes no... It doesn't make any sense right now to say Belichick and Brady, who's better, who's not, who was more, more, uh, more involved with or who was more to gain from... <coughs> pardon me. Who, who, who was more responsible for the, the Patriots' run? Quite frankly, neither of them could have done it without the other. And you could argue that Brady has now done it by going to Tampa and winning a Super Bowl last year. I would argue that, look, that Tampa team got hot at the end. They were, they were horrible for eight weeks. They got hot at the end. They won the last five regular season games, went through the playoffs, and then won the Super Bowl. Totally outplayed the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and some things there. But I don't think that was just all Tom Brady. If you think that was all Tom Brady, you just don't know shit about football. I mean, honestly, what that was was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense played incredible at the end of the season. They were awesome during the playoffs. And in the Super Bowl, they shut Patrick Mahomes down. They made Patrick Mahomes play the worst game of his career, most likely. I mean, they didn't, the Chiefs never even got in the, end, got in the end zone. So I think it's a very overrated statement to say this game means so much to these guys. Look, the Bucs are the favorite. They're going to go into New England. They're going to win the game. I have no doubt of that. I mean, they play this game 100 times. The Patriots only win five times. The Patriots roster is decimated. Got a rookie at quarterback who really Mac Jones is the quarterback right now because they didn't want to keep Cam Newton. They want to go ahead and get the kid involved and get the other veteran out of the way so the kid can develop. Don't say I agree or disagree. I see the point of that. But I don't think that Belichick's going to have some magic elixir and all of a sudden the Patriots are going to be great. Patriots are the third best team in their division. I'm going to say that again. They're the third best team in their division. The Buffalo Bills are the best team in that division. And the Dolphins are better than the Patriots. I mean, the, the Patriots, frankly, need to be lucky and think they're lucky stars. The Jets are in that division because the Jets are just awful. But I really think that this is overrated. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. If you ask me later, well, do you think that this means Belichick's not as good as Brady? No. They're both Hall of Famers. They're both amongst the greatest ever in their positions, whether that be Brady at quarterback or Belichick at head coach. And I think that neither of them accomplished what they've accomplished in the past or at least have as much success without the other. So why can't we just enjoy that instead of having to have this bullshit argument of, 
okay, this guy is better than this guy. So keep that in mind if you're watching Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I threw a wet blanket all over it, but you know what? They kind of deserve it for trying to promote that game that way. My Chiefs fans, friend, all my friends who are Chiefs fans, where y'all at? Are y'all in trouble? I have heard two ends of the spectrum from my friends who are Chiefs fans this week. I have heard the sky is falling. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? And I've heard the, oh, don't worry about it. Mahomes will take care of everything. And I think that both are half right. I think that what the Chiefs have figured out is, one, as I kind of predicted with a couple of friends of mine this past year, including over on the Jones Report, that defense for the Chiefs has been awful. Um, I'm going to say it right now. Daniel Sorensen is the worst NFL player I've ever seen. Um, I know that people like him, and he's great, but he's slow. He's a safety. They put him in spots at times where, yeah, he makes a play, but generally speaking, it's not because of athletic ability. It's really because of scheme, and it's because people aren't afraid to throw the ball at him because he's just dog shit in coverage. So keep that in mind if you're watching him. Uh, I think the biggest problem the Chiefs currently have is I don't know how healthy Tyron Matthew is. You know, he had COVID, and we saw this last year with Ezekiel Elliott and with Cam Newton, how they just weren't physically right for a few weeks after having COVID. And I think the Chiefs are trying to hide that right now. I don't mean hide it in a bad way. I mean hide it in how they game plan right now. If you notice, Matthew's not playing up in the box. He's not playing against the run very much. They're using a little bit of covering some court, uh, some uh, guys in the slot, helping out over the top of Daniel Sorensen because, again, Daniel Sorensen sucks. So I think that they're using Tyron Matthew the wrong way. I think that's hurting them a lot on defense. you got to let the Honey Badger be the Honey Badger. you got to let him play against that run, against the best receivers, and let him make the quarterbacks make mistakes. That's what he's done well since he was in college days. He's done it well at every stop he's had in the NFL. That's why I think he's the second best player on that team and the second most important player on that team. Now I'm going to have a Holmes take on this. I think it's asinine to just assume that Patrick Mahomes can carry a team by himself. Patrick Mahomes is uber talented. I mean, he could physically be one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. He can do things with his arm we haven't seen since, in my mind, since maybe John Elway. I mean, just uh, just a right arm that was blessed by the gods, like a thunderbolt. And he's athletic, he's smart, he understands the game. But if the offensive line's not playing well. And the defense is letting teams get ahead early. You can't just say, all right, Patrick, go win the game for us. And in two of the three games so far, that's exactly what they've done. Actually, in all three games, the Chiefs have just said, well, we're behind, but Mahomes will save the day. And what people don't realize is that's not really what's happened in the past couple of seasons when the Chiefs have won games they've come from behind in. You know, most famously, the playoff game from coming from 21 down and winning that game against, against Houston. The biggest thing is that the defense also stops the other team. Teams decide, hey, we're not going to press the issue. That's what hurt the Browns. In the one game the Chiefs have won, they're 1-2 and two right now, the one game they've won was because the Browns took their foot off the gas between the middle of the third quarter and the middle of the fourth quarter, trying to do something at the end of the fourth quarter, just wasn't right trying to get a first down and try to end the game, 
Mahomes was able to get them, get the Chiefs back into it and win the game. That can't happen every week. You can't expect anybody to do that. Not Patrick Mahomes, not Tom Brady, not anybody. Not Joe Montana. You can bring back anybody you want. You can't expect one quarterback to come in and bring you back every single week. Quite frankly, the Chiefs need to do is they need to figure out what's going on with this defense. They need to tell Steve Spagnuolo to wake up because right now his team looks like the Saints team he coached a few years ago that gave up the most yards in NFL history. Another reason I wouldn't hire the guy. I saw that shit firsthand as a Saints fan. So, again, as a Chiefs fan, are you in trouble? I'm not saying you're dead in the water. I'm not saying you're in a lot of trouble. There's some really bad teams in front of you. I think the Raiders aren't very good still. They're 3-0. and They're going to lose this week, I think. And the Broncos aren't great either at 3-0. and So you can make up those two games by beating them each. You play them both, and you play them both twice. So that lead can be made up. The Chargers are going to be a little different. They'll be a little tougher. But I think the weak division can lean to the Chiefs' side, and that can help the Chiefs. Um, I just think that that's something the Chiefs are, are looking at in a little trouble there. Leads me to my last little take here on the NFL here. Uh, this week we had a couple of big signings. You know, Josh Gordon, reinstated by the NFL, signs a practice squad deal with the Chiefs. I think that helps the Chiefs give another weapon to Mahomes. Uh, again, doesn't do a lot of good to get him weapons if you can't protect him and if you can't stop anybody on the defensive side, but it's really low risk. That's not a lot of money. You're not putting a lot out there, and I think Josh Gordon could be to the Chiefs come week 13, week 14, week 15, what Antonio Brown was to the Bucks last year. If you keep in mind, now you've got a 17-game schedule. You're going to see some injuries. Just adding the extra one game in the, in the regular season is now going to make it harder. You're going to have more attrition. You're going to have more injuries. And now, frankly, the Chiefs probably aren't going to be the one seed going in, most likely. I mean, it's hard to say after three weeks, but they certainly don't look like the best team in the AFC. And it's hard to believe that they're going to get a bye. So then you're playing another game there that you normally haven't had to play the last couple of years. So the addition of Josh Gordon, to me, makes a lot of sense. Low risk, could be high reward. And I, frankly, on a, on a human side, I'm rooting for Josh Gordon. I want to see people who make mistakes, who get a second chance or a third chance or however many chances this is for Josh Gordon. I want to see him do well because I just, I like, I like to see players come back. I like to see these kind of comeback tales and to see someone, you know, come back and do good. So my wishes are with Josh Gordon. I hope it works out with him and the Chiefs. I think it's good that he signed a practice squad deal, not a lot of money, make him earn that spot. It's a great deal. The other one this week was Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was no surprise at all to me. Uh, Tampa's had a few, a few defensive issues as far as on the backside of the defense with injuries. We're going to see more of that throughout the season, not just with Tampa, but with everybody. And Richard Sherman gives you a, a defensive guy with a lot of experience, He's chasing the ring. He kind of said as much in, in the interview, in the press conference they had. Um, you know, and Tom Brady gives him a call and says, hey, come on out to Tampa. They're building kind of a, an all-star team there. They did it last year. And they, bring it, they got a bunch of old school guys. They're going to come in here and say, hey, let's play together and let's try to win this thing. You know, Tampa, you know, famously has brought back all 22 starters from a Super Bowl team. Now you add another piece of Richard Sherman. 
you know, I think that's a big deal. And uh, again, it helps when it comes to injury attrition. And it helps to have a guy who's got some experience. Tampa does have some young guys on the backside of that defense. And I think Richard Sherman, his experience in the Legion of Boom, his Seattle days, I think that's stuff that's going to be big time to help the Bucks. So, again, uh, my hat's off to both of them. I hope they both do well. Uh, I also liked, I saw a little something in an article on ESPN.com about Richard Sherman saying that he kind of hit rock bottom this past offseason and that a couple of the conversations he's had since his arrest, you know, that that's really opened his eyes to some things. I hope so. Again, I root for players like that. You make a mistake, you own it, and you move on. And if you do some good for yourself, for your team, for your community, your family, you know, I can't be against that. So I'm rooting for Richard Sherman. I'm rooting for the, well, I'm not rooting for the Bucks because I'm a Saints fan, but I am rooting for Richard Sherman, a guy that I've always liked as well. Going to jump in here. Three weeks in is kind of tough, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to do Coach Bo's power rankings in the NFL. We've had a couple division games. We've seen some things. We're not quite a quarter of the way into the season. I usually would feel better at four games. You know, you've played a quarter of your schedule old school with the 16-game schedule. Three of 17 is not quite, you know, perfect for this. So don't hold me to these for the full season. But from what I'm seeing, I think there are, this is my top five teams currently. Um, the Rams. I have the Rams at one. I think the Rams are the best team in the NFL. Uh, Matt Stafford has been exactly what they needed. That defense is awesome. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is playing, I can't believe this, he's playing at an even higher level than I've ever seen him. And I think he's one of the best five defensive players in the league right now. Uh, he has shown that he might be a defensive player of the year guy this year and played even better than before. Um, I was watching the game last week, and uh, we're seeing teams that are triple teaming Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron Donald's got at least two guys blocking him on every play, no matter where they put him. And I saw a couple of plays last week's game where they had three guys hit Aaron Donald. You can't do that on any defense. You do that to any defense, other guys are coming. Uh, the Rams, you're going to see some scoring. They're going to get ahead on teams. They're going to get 14, 17 points ahead. And it's going to look at the end like it's 31-20, 31-24, 28-20, something like that. And you're going to go, wow, the Rams gave up 21 points or 24 points. I think you're going to see a lot of that garbage time. So keep that in mind. I think the Rams are the best team in the league. Number two, I got the Buffalo Bills. Uh, granted, they're not 3-1. and one. They're 3-0. They are 2-1. and one. Last two weeks, Josh Allen has looked incredible. Their defense plays well. They've got a good run game. Right now, Josh Allen's looking as advertised. I know they had a week one hiccup, but uh, I really like what I see with Buffalo, and I've got them ranked number two. Number three was my original pick for the AFC champion, and they haven't let me down the last two weeks, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, this is about a team who can actually old school run the football. Uh, Derrick Henry, the last two weeks, the Titans have got leads in games. They've handed Derrick Henry the ball and said, hey, protect the ball, protect the lead. It would be so nice to see someone like Kansas City learn how to do that. Protect the ball, protect the lead. Um, I like the Titans. I think that their people are talking about their defense isn't that great. They're going to outscore teams. And it's funny because if they get up 10 on you, you're in trouble. Because Derrick Henry's going to shorten that game. So... 
They have a good offensive line as well. So I, I like Tennessee Titans at three. Uh, number four is where I slate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I got them slated here because I think they're the second best team in the NFC right now. Again, they're just filled with veterans. They're filled with experience. I love B.A., Bruce Arians. I know a couple of friends of mine. One friend in particular says that I am the Bruce Arians' younger doppelganger. Uh, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> and uh, I love me some Bruce Arians. I love that team. Uh, I love the team as it's built. I don't love that they're the Tampa Bay Bucks because they're, in the, like I said, they're in the same division as my New Orleans Saints. But um, I like how they're built. They're a good team. They're solid. They've got great players, and they're so well-coached. Um, I think a lot of what you see there, Bruce Arians is sort of a Bill Belichick Jr. in many ways. Number five, I have the Packers. This was really hard. It was really hard for me to choose the fifth team. I looked at the Packers. I looked at the Chiefs, frankly. I looked at the Chargers. Um, there was a couple teams in here I was thinking, well, who is it? I think it's the Packers because, well, they have Aaron Rodgers and nobody else does. Uh, Aaron Rodgers showed again that, hey, you keep a game close, he can win the game at the end. Um, and the 49ers did everything they could to come back in that game on Sunday night. They take a lead. They give 36 seconds, and Rodgers finds a way to get him in field goal range. Um, I don't, don't think you can do that every single week. Don't get me wrong. But, man, when the chips are down, if the game is close, I'm taking the team that's got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. I've said it before. I'll say it again. In my lifetime, this is out there. He's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. I think he's more talented than, than Brady. I think he's more talented than Mahomes. I think he's more talented than Peyton Manning. Hurts me to say that I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan. But Aaron Rodgers is just a different kind of cat, and I think he's the most talented. doesn't mean he's the most successful. There's a difference there. But I think just of how to play the quarterback position, that dude's the best I've ever seen at it. So there's my power rankings for the NFL. Last thing I'm going to do, a couple little things. Major League Baseball, they're in their last few games here. It's coming down to the wire in the American League. We talked a little bit about this in the point five last week. I mentioned that the thing people weren't watching was the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Jays all playing for that last division spot. Seattle has played their way in. Now it's a four-team race. As you hear this come Friday, it will be uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's games. You have four teams battling for two positions, all within a game of each other. I think the Red Sox are the team that should be able to take care of business and get in. Now, having said that, uh, there is a team they don't want to face from that group. The Red Sox have the easiest path as far as competitors. They're finishing a series with, with Baltimore. They have the Nationals over the weekend. Two pretty weak teams to finish up. The Yankees are going to end with the Rays, and the Blue Jays are going to end with another great team. I don't have that in front of me who it is. So there's going to be some tough games for the Jays and the Yankees, who, as we're taping this, are going through a, a, a series as well. But my big hot take here, this hurts me to say, I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan. The Boston Red Sox are currently afraid of the New York Yankees. Yes, if you're a friend of mine, you may have just had a heart attack because I said that. The Boston Red Sox are afraid of the New York Yankees right now. Now, the Red Sox won the season series with the Yankees. However, the Red Sox just lost three at home in Fenway Park to the Yankees, and really in a series where the first two games, they had no chance. 
Then they had the Sunday night game where they got ahead. The Yankees come back. And it was just been, there's some kind of mental block uh, from August, now September, and into October now, that the Red Sox seem to have about the Yankees. If the Red Sox are going to move forward in the playoffs, they have got to hope that it is the Blue Jays or the Mariners that win the other wildcard spot. Because I'm not sure that the Red Sox think they can beat the Yankees. I think the Jays, the Jays and the Mariners think they can beat the Yankees. But I'm not sure the Red Sox think they can. And they had better get it together. They better have it ready for if a wild card game happens. They better have Chris Sale on the mound. Because if not, they really don't have a chance. Because they have to score five runs. And for some reason, the Red Sox can't score five runs against the Yankees. So, hate to say it, but my Red Sox are afraid of the Yankees right now. I think Big Poppy is just angry about that. The other take I got to have here is the L.A. Dodgers. Folks, they're going to repeat. They are hot as donut grease right now. They came back from being 10 games back of the Giants at one point. They're going to have over 100 wins. They're over 103 as I'm recording this. And the Dodgers are on fire. Uh, Max Muncy's in the MVP argument. He's uh, probably going to finish second or third for the MVP. The Dodgers just picked on the Padres for the last couple of months where we thought that was going to be a little bit of gamesmanship between those two teams. The Dodgers just put the Padres in the rearview mirror and reminded everybody who they are. And the Dodgers are going to have some, they're going to really be tough to beat and tough to knock out. And it's not, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Dodgers get hot when Max Muncy gets hot and Mookie Betts returns. Uh, Mookie Betts is the straw that, straw that stirs that drink. That guy's incredible. If you're not a baseball fan and you're not watching, that dude is really just on a next level good. And I think that he plays that game as a team player as good or if not better than just about everybody out there. Last take, and, you know, we get to the regular season, the voting for all the awards comes out, the MVP, the Rookie of the Year, the Cy Young. Um, in the American League, the MVP is going to be Shohei Otani just because of what he's done with the bat and on the mound. We've never seen anything quite like that. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero's had an incredible year. I think most years, if you just had taken Shohei Otani out, Guerrero runs away with the MVP. But Otani has been dominant on both sides of the ball, and I think that he's going to win the MVP. I think he's probably going to win it going away. Uh, I think you're looking at Otani. I think you're looking at Guerrero from there. I think a guy's not getting a lot of pub and probably finish the top three or four is Raphael Devers in the Red Sox. He has had a stellar season, 35 home runs, over 40 doubles, driving, driven in a bunch. I mean, just that's a young guy. That I just don't think he gets the run that guys like Soto and Baez and a few of these other young studs are getting. Um, but he's just as young. He's 23 and a young player. The National League, it looked like a month and a half ago that Fernando Tatis was going to run away with the MVP, and then he gets hurt. And he's been on the IL, off the IL, on the IL, off the IL. Meanwhile, in Philly, Bryce Harper's carried them. They're not going to make the playoffs, but Bryce Harper has quietly had an incredible season. As I'm recording, 34 homers, 82 RBIs, because nobody in front of him can get on base, so he can't drive in runs and nobody's on base. Hitting 308, he has an OPS. This is ridiculous, folks. 1.041. Now, what that means, OPS is you take on-base percentage plus your slugging percentage. So how many do you get on base 
And when you get on base, are you getting extra base hits? And Bryce Harper has shown that he really is a superstar. He's been worth the money that the Phillies have paid him. That big contract a couple of years ago. Some people were saying last year that might be a little bit of an albatross for the Phillies. I disagree. He's had a great year. I think he's going to win the MVP. He's got my vote. And I just think that he's a stud. I Bryce Harper is one of my favorite guys to watch. So kind of uh, reveals he, he's really shown. He had a couple of, of not so great Bryce Harper type of seasons, 2019, 2020. And now he's come back to a level that's what's expected of him. So uh, hats off to Bryce Harper. I think he's going to win in LMVP. So, hey, that's my hot takes for this week. That's the Coach Bo rant, and I hope you enjoyed it. Kind of keep this one short. Uh, join us on Monday. Monday's going to be a great podcast. Monday, the episode six. We're going to have Lamont Jackson on, uh, talk about his new, his new uh, first, his first ever single. Um, he's got a great story. I think that you're going to like this. Again, a guy who's a, uh, a local police officer. He's a Kansas Highway Patrolman who is doing the music business on the side, trying to make it come up, and I think you're going to have some big things coming for him in the future. Just a super, super guy. Uh, so check us out on Monday for that. We're going to try to keep that moving, try to keep those Mondays positive, trying to have some fun with that. Hey, if you know somebody that you'd like us to interview, or if you yourself think you've got a story you'd like us to feature on the podcast, I would love to hear from you. Give me, send me an email, show at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet, send us, shoot us something on Instagram, at CoachBoKnowsShow. Uh, like our Facebook page, Coach Bo Knows. Um, if you get a chance, really go to wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. A five-star rating. We really appreciate it. It helps me. It helps grow the show. It helps Studio Soapbox and everything that Tyler Jones and his crew are doing behind the scenes. So thank you so much to those guys. I appreciate you. Thank you to you, the listener. You're the reason I'm doing this. I'm having a blast doing it. I hope you're enjoying it. So come back to see us on Monday. Until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, reminding you to do something kind for someone. And don't forget to be good to yourself as well. See you next time. Take care. Have a great weekend, everybody.